Just to begin with, I'd like us to take a look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, which tells us about some of the teaching of Jesus in his early ministry uh, by the Sea of Galilee. And here in Mark chapter 4, in verse 34, it says, He, that's Jesus, did not speak to them, and that's the, the crowds of people who followed him, without a parable. So, so what it's telling us is he was always teaching them in parables, these crowds of people who flocked to hear his message. It goes on to say, though, but privately to his own disciples, Jesus explained everything. So it's a verse which perhaps um, makes us ask a few questions, really. Firstly, what is a parable? What exactly is meant by parables when we look at the Bible? And secondly, why did Jesus only speak in parables? What was the purpose of that? We're going to also take a look at some examples of parables which are used uh, by Jesus. And then finally, what was the power of his parables? What was the, the significance, the power of his parables? We're going to have a look at some of those questions shortly. So first of all, then, what exactly is a parable? And the Oxford Dictionary tells us that a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. And it's true to say that on the face of it, many of these stories do appear to be simple. But actually, when we dig a bit deeper, we can see with many of these stories that actually the, the lessons and the ideas behind them are, in fact, often quite complicated. It's not always as straightforward as we might think on the surface. And what we can see as well is that with the parables, that yes, they certainly were spoken by Jesus in the Gospels. But actually, when we look at the Old Testament of the Bible, we have some examples of parables used in those settings as well. So it's not unique to Jesus' teaching in the, the gospel records. Also, when we look at the, the definition of a parable in some other sources, we say, see that they have um, to do with metaphor and analogy. So we can see that these stories which are being told are used to tell a different meaning or a deeper meaning than that which appears on the surface. Psalm 78 and verse 2 is what we often call a messianic psalm. And messianic psalms are psalms which talk of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and make prediction of, of the life which he would live and the, the importance of uh, those things achieved through his life. And Psalm 78 and verse 2, speaking of Jesus, says, I will open my mouth in a parable or a proverb. I will utter dark sayings of old. So it predicts how Jesus would speak in parables uh, to those people he was uh, bringing this, this ministry to. But perhaps one interesting aspect of this as well is that this word, which is, is translated as parable, is actually used elsewhere in the Old Testament to describe Proverbs. Uh, and actually, the Old Testament has a whole book dedicated to Proverbs, which, again, are these short, pithy messages uh, which are used to describe uh, moral ideas or spiritual ideas for people to try and understand. It's a book of wisdom, which is a book which is seeking to inform the reader of how to come to a greater knowledge of God and a greater wisdom in life. So we ask that second question then, why did Jesus only speak in parables? And I think the answer to this question is, is perhaps a challenging one. Uh, and maybe not exactly the answer we might initially expect. We know, don't we, from Jesus's ministry that he was an incredible man, that he was loving and kind, uh, that he was meek, and that he did good to those people who did evil towards him. 
But in Matthew chapter 13, we have a challenging statement made by Jesus regarding the reasons why he taught in parables. Because his disciples asked Jesus what was the purpose for him speaking the parables, uh, which he did. This is what Matthew 13, verse 9 to 14 says. And the disciples came and said to him, that's Jesus, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus answered and says to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And elsewhere in the Gospels, that's, that's translated as the kingdom of God. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing, you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing, you will see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And so what we can see Jesus saying to his disciples here is that part of the purpose for the parables was to conceal the actual meaning behind them, to make it more difficult uh, for those people who are hearing this message to understand it. And that's perhaps a confusing thing. Why would Jesus do that? Uh, I think what we can see here from this passage is that Regarding those people, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. These were people, perhaps, who were no longer really seeking and really searching for God. And part of the parable, it seems, then, uh, part of the purpose of parables, it seems, was to differentiate then between those people who had a real desire to learn about God and those people who weren't really interested in God. And actually, when we look at the, the book of Proverbs, and again, we mentioned didn't we, that this idea of Proverbs and parables are linked. In the book of Proverbs and verse uh, six of the first chapter, it says there about Proverbs, to understand a proverb or a, a parable or, and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's an interesting message which is being put forward there, isn't it? There's this importance which is being spoken of in fearing God, in having respect for God. Uh, and that, in fact, is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to come to understand those proverbs and those enigmas which are spoken about in this book of Proverbs, then you need to first fear the Lord. I think a similar principle is being put forward by the Lord Jesus Christ here uh, when we looked uh, at that previous passage. Um, regarding the way in which it was important for those people who are hearing the parables to have a respect for those things of God. It was almost uh, a judgment process by which people who weren't interested wouldn't understand that message which was being taught. And perhaps an example of one's mindset when coming to a parable is seen in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. Because Jesus um, was speaking to two sets and uh, two groups of people at this time in Luke 15. He had his disciples there who were obviously keen to hear that message which Jesus spoke about God and about his, his purpose. And by contrast, then, there was another group of people, the scribes and the Pharisees, who were actually looking to 
um, convict Jesus and to to actually try and put Jesus in a difficult situation. And it's very interesting, uh, this parable of the lost sheep, because the way in which it's read has a big impact upon how it is understood. There were people uh, who were, were often described in the, the New Testament as the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and these are people who were Jewish, but maybe they'd lost their way somewhat there. Uh, their way of life wasn't maybe uh, completely in accordance with what the Bible had said. And perhaps uh, amongst their society, they were looked down upon. But certainly there's this, this theme in the New Testament that many of these people were actually repentant in their situation. They had an appreciation of the fact that they needed God's mercy and God's forgiveness, which was uh, not always the case with some of the other people in the society. So Luke 15 and verse four talks about this lost sheep uh, who is found uh, by its master. And let's just read verse four of, of Luke 15. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because you'd think that most shepherds would not leave their entire flock for the sake of just one sheep. Surely they'd lose more sheep in that pursuit of the one which was lost than actually if they just stayed with the 99 in the first place. This, this verse goes on to say, I say to you that likewise, just like this, the shepherd who goes after that lost sheep of the 99, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who have no need of repentance. And of itself, I think this parable is really interesting because it shows the way in which those people who heard it would have interpreted it differently according to their mindset. There were those people of the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as we described them, those people who had lost their way, who were in need of repentance. And perhaps this, this parable is describing them like lost sheep. Now, for many people, people wouldn't really want to be described as a, as a lost sheep. Uh, maybe people would see it as something to be looked down upon. Uh, it would be uncomfortable to hear this idea that they're being compared to this lost animal who's in a hopeless situation. But for those people who were acknowledging the fact that they did need help, the fact that they did need mercy, then there was a humility in those things. And perhaps they could see the way in which they were lost and in need of a, she uh, in need of a shepherd to help them. But then there was also this other group, wasn't there? This 99 just persons who had no need of repentance. And I think that's really well describes uh, many of the people who Jesus spoke to, because there was a large section of the society then, particularly the scribes and the Pharisees, who didn't feel that need for repentance. They thought they were righteous. They thought that they did not need to repent in that way. Of course, no such person exists from the Bible's point of view. We all need repentance. So there was a real message which was being spoken to, to those hearers at that time. And it depended on your, your outlook and your perspective whether you would actually hear that message from that parable or not. So we've seen, haven't we, from, from Jesus' teaching that parables of themselves, they were a means of, of, of actually sifting out, if you like, those people who wanted to hear and who had a genuine desire to know what was meant by God's word 
Uh, and those people who weren't so interested, whose ears were hardened to that message. But perhaps there's a number of other reasons why parables are used. And here are just a few suggestions. I think we can see some examples of, of some of the ideas behind this use in the Bible, but we're not going to look in them in detail. Um, Firstly, we can see that we've already seen that they were a means of selecting people through their attitude towards God, but also some attributes of, of parables which were perhaps helpful for people were that they were relatable. Uh, we see in the parables examples of shepherds, of farmers, of fishermen, of laborers. These were all examples of people doing work and jobs which were relatable to lots of those people who would have heard them. So again, they were, they were using uh, stories uh, of relatable things to convey a message uh, which was of a different ilk or of a different meaning to show a different moral or spiritual message behind those things but it was using relatable ideas to demonstrate that and that's interesting i think in terms of the way we learn as, as humans because people often say that we learn through uh, logic uh, but actually often uh, it seems that we learn through uh, analogy uh, and comparison of things there so again Jesus was using uh, these parables as a means of showing analogy between things which they did understand uh, to show uh, what was meant by things which were beyond their understanding at that point. But I think something else which we see from parables is perhaps they're an example of, of, of showing uh, the difference between what, what to think versus how to think. So if you were given a list of rules about exactly what you should think, um, then you could perhaps come up with a very different answer to if you were given a parable. A parable was more creative. It was something which stimulated people to think about uh, an idea. Uh, I think that's powerful perhaps then in Jesus' teaching was that he wasn't just telling people exactly what to think, but he was telling them how to think on a grander scale, if you like. He, he was showing them principles and trying to show them uh, the way in which God uh, thought about uh, moral and spiritual subjects. Again, Jesus also used parables uh, to convey a message to people at times, which was a message which they wouldn't have wanted to hear. So perhaps you can think uh, of some circumstances where if somebody was very direct with the message to somebody who didn't want to hear it, then they wouldn't actually even get to the point uh, of really listening to it. Whereas a parable is a bit more surreptitious, isn't it, in the way it put forwards a message. Because people by nature have to actually think about it, then it means that that message has already been conveyed before they have a chance to necessarily react against it. So it maybe gave a bit more opportunity to those people at times who didn't really necessarily want to hear that message. Also, because there were stories about relatable things, then perhaps these, these parables were more memorable for people to hear. So again, it was maybe something people could catch a hold of and think about and ruminate upon, if you like there, to think about these ideas, uh, which might have been useful for them in, in the way in which they were coming to this message of Jesus. And also they were understandable on multiple levels. We've mentioned it already, haven't we? That very often they're simple stories but we can often see that there's a deeper meaning behind those stories as well. Let's have a look at an example of a parable. And let's have a look at the, the example of the parable of the sower. And this is recorded in a number of the gospel records. But we're going to have a look at Luke chapter eight, which describes this parable of the sower. First of all, we see uh, this idea of a sower who goes out to sow. So it's a farmer who's sowing seed, who's sowing seed for crops. Uh, he sows this seed 
and some of it falls on the, the wayside or on the path. Uh, and some of it then falls upon stony soil. Some of it falls upon soil where there are weeds which grow up around it. And then some of it falls upon good soil uh, and brings forth fruit. Uh, and what we actually see from this message then is some ideas which are put forward by the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's particularly useful about this parable is we have a record of Jesus's description of it to his disciples, the explanation which he gives to his disciples about what it means. Because on the face of it, if you didn't have some of the ideas behind it, it'd be quite tricky to work out exactly what's being said. But when we have Jesus's translation of what's meant by those things, then it makes a lot of sense. Let's just have a look at um, the actual um, the record then of Jesus and the way in which he shows his disciples to interpret this parable. So Luke chapter eight, uh, Luke chapter eight and verse twelve says, "The seed is the word of God." So the sower goes out to sow the seed, and the seed, which is represented in this parable, is actually talking about the word of God. And that goes on to say, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil or sort of ideas of evil come and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So very quickly, after that seed is sown upon the earth, then very quickly, uh, then the, the hearts of this individual uh, or individuals are taken away uh, and they're not given that, that, that hope of, of salvation. They've lost the track, of, if you like, of the word, uh, the seed of God. And then it goes on to say, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Uh, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So it's talking about those people who initially respond to God's word. But when times of difficulty come upon them, uh, then they, they, they lose their faith and, and they fall to temptations and they, they go away from God. It goes on to say then, now the ones that fell upon th among thorns are those who when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So initially the seed beds into the earth, uh, but unfortunately uh, the cares of this life choke that, that word and they don't bring forth uh, good fruit uh, to maturity. And then finally, we hear about that seed which falls upon good ground. Uh, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So what we're having described here is different types of soils. And these soils then relate to different individuals and how individuals receive God's word, uh, the, the seed, uh, which is spoken about in this parable. And as you mentioned, it appears on the face of it like a simple story. But just imagine that the interpretation which Jesus gave wasn't there for us to read. Would we know exactly what was meant by the seed? Now, if we look elsewhere in the Bible, maybe you could come to that conclusion that the seed is the word of God. But what we do know is it would take some searching. It would take some desire to actually look at what's being spoken of as, as described by the seed there. And we can think of the other elements of the story, how that that, that seed which fell by the wayside and on the, on the actual path, well, that seed was came and was eaten up by the birds. And maybe we could have a look at the idea of birds in the Bible and what's being described there. So there's various elements which we can look at a bit deeper, uh, which might portray different ideas coming through from the parable. 
it does require more searching than you might initially think. And what's perhaps really interesting with this parable is it's incredibly relevant and apposite. It really describes the way in which God's word affects different people. You can see, um, can't you, from, from the way it's described there, that people respond differently uh, to God's word. And the challenges of life, the cares of this life, the temptations of this life, then they affect us differently according to the way in which God's word has had an effect upon us. And what we see elsewhere in the Bible is that these ideas which are spoken about in the parable of the sower, then they're actually carried through and expanded elsewhere in the Bible as well. So on the surface of it, it might appear a simple story. But in reality, these ideas are picked up and used elsewhere to describe other things as well. And there's a great depth to, to this parable. So just to close then, uh, we're going to look at the power of parables, this idea of the power of parables. And just going back to the Proverbs, uh, we have um, here in Proverbs chapter one, an example of then the way in which parables are, are really powerful to affect a message amongst a wide uh, range of different hearers. So Proverbs chapter one and reading from verse one, it says the Proverbs or the parables of Solomon or to Solomon to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment and equity. So we can see that these, these Proverbs were given to help the hearer of them to actually attain to greater wisdom and understanding uh, and to have a, an idea about wisdom, justice and judgment. There is a depth to these words which are being spoken about, which taught great lessons. And it goes on there to say in Proverbs chapter one, uh, verse one to five, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And isn't it interesting there that three different types of people, uh, somebody who is simple, somebody who is young and somebody who is wise, they're all able to get something from these problems. They're all able to learn something from them. And I think that's the case also with the parables which Jesus forwarded there, that they were understandable on various levels and could be useful to different individuals for that reason. Just to close then, we mentioned that we were the parable of the sower, that some of the ideas which are spoken of in that parable are picked up elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, and here's an example of this. Now, of course, with the parable of the sower, it spoke about God's word and the way it has an effect upon people. And this idea of God's word and its effect upon people is picked up in James chapter one and verse 21. Just reading from James chapter one and verse 21 to close. It says there, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So just as that seed was sown by that farmer and implanted upon the soil, so we need to have God's word implanted in us that it might save our souls. That's the real power, power of parables, isn't it? That these words which are spoken about uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ have the power to save. And so we need to listen to those things. We need to search them out. We need to be open to those teachings so that we can actually learn from them.